Welcome to Just Us for Justice from Consumer Attorneys of California. I'm J.G. Preston. CAOC's 62nd annual convention is coming up November 16th through the 19th in San Francisco. In addition to days full of top-notch legal education and nights featuring social events, convention includes the literal passing of the gavel from this year's leadership to next year's at our installation and awards dinner. Today, we're going to talk to the people who will be involved in that gavel passing, CAOC's 2023 President Greg Rizzio and 2024 President Catherine Stebner. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having Great us. Great to be here, JG. Uh, Greg, let me start with you. What's this past year been like for you? You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, this morning, I was looking at um, Craig Peters' like exit. Uh, I had you send it to me, in fact, exit thing. And it's like, life is like a box of chocolate. And honestly, you know what? Uh, last year I laughed at that, but this year I kind of recognize that there's a lot of truth to when you're the CAOC president, life is like a box of chocolate, right? Sometimes you get a chocolate that you like and you kind of get to deal with that one, but there are many times you get chocolates that you don't like and you don't get to throw it away. You still have to deal with that one. And um, it's been an amazing journey. I can't wait to hand the reins to Catherine because I know she's going to like far exceed anything I could have ever hoped to do. <laughs> But it's been a really fun ride. Uh, I've enjoyed every single minute of it. It's just been an honor to serve in this role. And I, I can't wait to, to see how Catherine takes what I've done and makes it way, way, way better. Because as I said right before we got on camera, she's better looking, smarter, well-spoken, everything that I'm not. So I'm excited to see her take over. But now you got me curious, Greg, in, in a real box of chocolates, what are the chocolates that you don't like? <laughs> Oh, well, you know, there's a lot of ones that you bite into, like ones with marshmallow are not my favorite. Anything with caramel, no. I'm going to like. Anything with marshmallow in it, not so much. So No, I'm with you on that. Well, now looking back, what are some of the memorable moments of your presidency, the, the things that are going to stick with you as you go on? You know, JJ, to be honest with you, there's really too much to, to list. I mean, one of the things that I thought was really cool was at the very beginning um, when Governor Newsom got you know sworn in that day, I brought my family up and we did the Freedom March and we got to go to the event and then to the governor's ball at the end and, and just watching the, the joy and the my, my daughter kind of figuring out government from, you know, not school, but actually marching and meeting and seeing. It was a really, really uh, cool event that I will never forget. But I've had so many of those and, you know, anyone who gets into leadership in COC gets to do so much of that. It's been fantastic. I will say this, a little uh, note for Catherine for next year. I had this on my, I don't know if you can see it. I had this on my um, on my desk, which had every bill that we were, not, not every, but a lot of the bills that came up frequently. And it's got the name and then the senator or the assembly person on it and what it was. And, you know, because those numbers get so confusing all the time that I had it right here. Like, well, then we're going to talk about SB 71, SB 71, SB 71. What's SB 71? Oh, the increasing the limits of, you know, municipal uh, the limited jurisdiction. So that's a little tip for you, Catherine, is, is you get so many of these that it's helpful to kind of be able to see what what you're dealing with because the, the numbers come fast and furious. And I really like the old school approach since I type 19 words a minute or so with 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 <laughs> um, lots of uh, misspellings. Um, I'm, I'm really with you on the posted. The posted. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's right there. So. All right. I, I that that is the that is an amazing piece of advice. <laughs> you got your cheat sheet, just like the, the football coach holding that sheet of the plays in front of him and covering his mouth when he's speaking so the TV cameras won't catch it. Well, I treated it kind of like Wadir, where you just kind of, you, know, you just have to be able yeah. to get to it quick and kind of know what it is. So, uh, you mm -hmm. know, if I do notes, I'm going to have pages and pages. It's going to take me this to get through. But right here, it's just like, you know, it's like Wadir. I'm just going to look at it quickly. And I like it. I don't like it. That chocolate we were talking about, JG. Well, it's been a productive year for CAOC. You've been a busy man. Well, thank you. I've, I've really, like I said, I've really enjoyed it. It's an experience like no other. And it's very different than being a lawyer, but it's very, um, it's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Now, Catherine, you've been through a multi-year process to prepare for this presidency. So what's involved with that? How, how do we get you ready for this? Well, yeah, I have been preparing this. I've been on the board, um, which I will. I do want to talk about something that did happen to me a little bit later on when we talk about why I'm here and my plans for later on. But um, but for one year, I believe I've been on the board, maybe 20 years or I don't know, something like that. It's a long, long time. Long time. Um, I think I, at 63, will be one of the older, believe it or not, presidents for a while. I mean, there hasn't been, a lot of the presidents lately have been younger than I, which is real interesting to me. 
Uh, but you know, I've been around for a long time, but I can see immediately that is a lot different being the president than the president elect. Um, and, uh, so I've been really, you know, watching our great presidents before me, you know, how they, and their different personalities, you know, and I think one thing, I mean, what I'll say about Greg in part, I mean, I have a lot of great things to say about Greg, but he's very egalitarian and doesn't take you know, at least with us, his people who he is leading on the executive committee and the board, you know, everybody, you know, gets their say, you know, he is very open. He doesn't really take sides um, and has been, I think, you know, and always very positive. And so, you know, that's really cut down on, you know, different dynamics that can happen. And I think that you know, your ability to remain calm and, uh, and always be positive about everything, um, is really something that, uh, you know, I've really watched you during this time and that's something that I'm hoping to replicate. So, um, that was, I mean, alongside of all the different work you did, you know, politically and everything, just that, just your, who you are as a person, um, to me was really, really important. And that's something that I've learned watching different presidents matriculated, it really is, you know, we're all coming from really different places. We have really different personalities. And, you know, I just feel like after all these years, I've really seen really different personalities, you know, as president. And that's, you know, I think that that personality portion is maybe uh, underestimated as to its importance. So Greg has such a, like I say, a positive attitude and is, you know, loved by everybody. So I think that made a huge difference. Well, that was very kind to say. I, I will say this, Catherine, in the many years we've been on this board together, just uh, watching you grow into the role and your heart is just so huge. I really mean when I say uh, that I think that this organization will go to a different level with you because you really do take everything to heart and you really kind of lead with your heart. And I just love that about you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Catherine, you will be CAOC's first LGBTQ plus president. What does that mean to you? A lot. You know, being the first of anything, um, you really want to make your time count. Um, and I come with a really different experience than anyone else has ever come from. I mean, we've had, you know, several women uh, presidents. We've had, I think, maybe a couple people of color as a president um, before. But just coming from the space where I where I come from um, has really, other than being what I think is an empath, empath person, you know, which is Greg talked about, you know, it's like I lead, I do lead with my heart. I am very, um, you know, empathic. And um, but I think just coming from a place of being the other and knowing what that feels like and kind of being an outsider. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a great responsibility to be the first of anything. Um, but I'm going to bring those experiences definitely with me, you know, in my, who I am and coming to this place. So, um, a lot's happened in my lifetime that I never, this, this, what's happening right now, me being president, never thought that would happen. Never. I never thought we'd have gay marriage. In my lifetime, never, mm -hmm. you know, I'm still waiting for a woman president and maybe even a woman governor, but other than, <laughs> hold, <laughs> hold my breath on those things. Um, but I'm just saying just, you know, there's just, certain, I just never really thought I'd be sitting here. Never would be so lucky, you know, to have come here. And the fact that people believed in me enough, even when I felt sometimes lesser than, you know, still, it sounds weird, but, you know, still sort of hard to grasp when you've come from a place that's different than everyone else. It's kind of hard to grasp that people are really supporting you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're sort of like, well, are they really supporting me? You know what I mean? When you come from that, you know, a place that is not, uh, you know, from some of the other presidents that come before me and also my area of practice, you know, um, I consider myself a self a civil rights lawyer. Um, and, uh, 
So, and I, you know, I think that not a lot of people who have been president can, you know, that, you know, when I actually apply for my insurance, I put civil rights, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't, I don't even put personal injury, I put civil <laughs> rights. So, you know, I'm just kind of, I just, um, you know, I'm just coming from a really, I think so, a different place in terms of my practice area, you know, my practice area and elder abuse is so narrow. I'm kind of a one trick pony. I've tried auto cases. I've tried product cases. I've done mass torts. You know, I've done Dalbert hearing, you know, I can speak to speak. I know, you know, I know all these things, but over the last years, you know, I've really narrowed my practice. So, um, you know, I'll still be able to talk about uninsured and underinsured. You know, I, I, I did all those things when I was younger. So, um, I don't want anyone to be nervous that I'm not going to understand those things. So, but it's yeah. good to have that different perspective coming from a, a different direction in in so many ways as you do. Yeah, and I did. You know, I did do mass torts for about seven years. Um, I've done class. I've done a lot of class actions. You know, still continue to do that. So, you know, different type. I, I feel like I have had sort of a taste of different types of law over the last thirty eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, tried all different kinds of cases and been you know, with a lot of different folks in a lot of different rooms on a lot of different issues. Um, you know, so I, I, I feel like I have a, like some sort of understanding walking into this, you know, in all different types of practice. So I feel really grateful for that, you know, that kind of background that well, I can jump, help. Yeah. Let me jump in here to actually show you also how, how it helps, right? SB 278 is a direct result, Catherine, of who you are. Right. I mean, what we did this year, the elder abuse um, bill, which is now a two year bill, which I think is fantastic because we're going to get that passed next year under you, which it's been really, you know, you and Kristen Fish and and Kim Valentine. And Anne Marie Murphy. Murphy. There's a whole bunch. I didn't mean to. I mean, Kirsten Fish put her blood, sweat and tears into this, you know, I mean, and she and I, uh, she's like kind of really like my partner. Her So Craig Needham. Um, is like my brother and that's her partner. And I have known him. Um, so my best friend in law school died when she was 33 years old, she died of AIDS mm-hmm. and, um, it was very rare for women to have AIDS during that period of time. And her name was Susan Zwick of her picture right here. Um, and whenever I feel kind of like down on myself about like, Oh, poor Catherine or whatever. I just look at her picture because she was like a rising star. She was uh, Craig Needham's associate. And, you know, she was involved in all these different, she was the head of the president of the barristers and everything. Like, I'm not joining that kind of thing. You know, she was the only person I wanted to practice with, you know, and then she died at 33, um, which really, that really affected me a lot too. But I, I knew Craig as a friend. And then he and I, when I started my own business over 20 years ago, we just decided we're just going to work on every case together. And so, Kirsten is, you know, like, like Carmen, Carmen Gudani is my partner and Kirsten is sort of too, but, you know, so we're, we're going to be getting Kirsten as well, you know, to help with all these things. She's my right hand person to, she's the great writer, you know, and so we all know, and I'm coming out of the closet here that I'm not the, the writer. Um, so, uh, that's, so she'll be helping me a lot next year. And she already knows that. So we'll have her brains and Carmen's brains and all kinds of people that I can call on in all different areas and have already told them, hey, I'm going to really need you next year. So I've already been starting those calls. Well, you know, as I would anticipate. And, and you know, my, my point, Catherine, is there's plenty of auto and PI and well, I mean, there's, there's tons of, of us sort of thing. The, the CFC needs individuals who understand other elements like you know sb 278 is a hugely important law and, and let me just let me just stop you right there greg because you and Catherine know the numbers but for the folks who don't just briefly explain what sb 278 would do well i'm going to let it go to Catherine because it yeah. actually affects her well, it just it's uh it's been a long fight we're still not there we're still meeting um so you know i don't want to put the car before the horse but um essentially it's about the ability to to bring cases against banks um, for basically turning a blind eye to a bunch of red flags where people are sending, you know, $49,900 every day to Thailand in a wire transfer and just looking the other way. And so, um, you know, people who've been scammed. Yeah. So it's really, it's financial elder abuse for people who've been scammed. We're really trying to 
you know, we want the banks to do what they say, what they say they're going to do in their marketing to elders. And so we're just really, you know, wanting to make sure that the law is crystal clear about, you know, what they should and shouldn't be doing. And, um, you know, we've been doing these cases, you know, Amory's firm does the cases. There's several of us. Frank Fox has been working on this. Um, we've been working with a lot of nonprofits, but, um, there's not a lot of case law on uh, financial elder abuse. There's not a lot of folks who do it. I've been doing them for over 20 years. Um, so they're sort of, it's a new area, um, really in our field. I mean, it's still, you know, like I, I, I brought my first elder abuse case in 1987 before 1991 when they amended the act to give attorney's fees. And then a bunch of people started doing it. But literally when I started it, there were two female sole practitioners defending all elder abuse cases in California. Wow. Someone leading with their heart, I see. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, uh, you know, I, I do believe in the future financial elder abuse will be used in the same way, but it is kind of a new area of the law as well. Yeah. Well, Catherine, what do you hope to accomplish in your presidency? I, if you do, I don't know if you've thought about that yet, have any goals in mind, but what would you like to see happen? Well, I have thought about it. Um, I thought it about, I, I, as I told you, I was gone for a month in Italy and I was right by Rizzio's people in Campania, right? I was, there's a lot of people that look like Rizzio running around the area. I'm like, Rizzio, whoa, whoa, Rizzio. Yeah. Um, but I've decided that my um, goal, and I'm going to call it um, a seat at the table, is what I'm going, that's my goal, a seat at the table. and. You know, um, I've thought long and hard about this, and uh, it's not just about diversity per se, which, of course, obviously, that's an issue that's important to me on a personal level. But I really think that we have a lot of untapped folks um, who are members that I want to have seats at the table. I don't always want to have the same people to see the table. And interestingly enough, um, I had this experience. Um, it was... I want to say 10 years ago or more. And I was on the board and we were, I think it was a lobby day or something. And I was standing with a group of people and we were going to go into some, I don't know if it's the governor or the speaker. I think it was the speaker's room or something like that. And everyone's like, okay, you, you, you. And I was in the, and then the, someone said, but you can't go to me. Mm. And I just stood there and I was like, you know, because it was a very like I was invited by certain folks to come um, and have a seat at the table. And then, you know, so I was invited to come. I just didn't like show up. And then, you know, I was told, no, you can't go in here. And it was like you know, six people or something like that. And I was like the seventh person. And I actually quit for a year. I was there was one year I was not on the board. I was so upset that that happened to me it just i don't know why i mean i literally i just remember i after that i didn't finish lobby day i got in my car i drove back and i felt kind of stunned really i just didn't even yeah. really know like what like you know what that was about or what everything you know i talked to a bunch of folks that work at coc and you know don't take it personally and i just said i, I i'm quitting you know, mm -hmm. and then of course I got talked back into coming the next year and here I am. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, long story short, you know, you can, I got kicked off having a seat at the table, completely kicked off. And, um, that felt like crap and it wouldn't have been a big deal to have one more person in there. Um, I think it was even something on an issue. I don't think it was an elder abuse, but it was an issue that I knew something about. And, um, it, I mean, it hurt my feelings yeah, a lot. And, uh, I just look at a lot of the people, um, and I know that there's a lot of people who think of CIOC as really, you know, wealthy lawyers who, um, are, you know, mostly straight white men who run everything. And so why would I want to be a part of it? I mean, I've heard that. I was the president of, S of the San Francisco Trialers Association over 10 years ago, trying to get people to come be with CAOC. And I heard that like constantly, you know, I mean, because people didn't really think that they had a voice, you know, I mean, and they thought that they only had a voice if they gave a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, especially women or people who do civil rights or something may not have, you know, a $10 million verdict or something like that. And so now those people are really, really important to be in the room. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't be in the room, but I also want other people to be in the room. And I want other people to know that, you know, we need them in, I need them. I need them. You know, I need them to walk the halls with me in Sacramento. You know, I need people who look different. I need people who come with different backgrounds. And and I'm talking also about economic backgrounds. You know, I think, I think, Greg, did your parents go to college? Uh, My mom didn't. My dad did. Yeah. Well, my parents didn't go to college. Um, And I think, you know, um, I, I, I don't think we were rich growing up, you know, either of us or anything, but, you know, we came from, you know, we didn't come from, we weren't given a silver spoon to be here. And, you know, and, um, I was just, I got a lot of, I just was lucky in having certain people believe in me, you know, to let me be here. And, you know, I think, I think economics is a big deal. I think where you came from, you know, I'm one of my Sayings I say a lot, and I'll say at convention is never forget where you came from. You know, your family, you know, your spirituality, you know, what is what drives you? Why are you here? And I want people to feel those things and help me, you know, shape a stronger um organization. Of course, that'll be more diverse and like and like I say, economically more diverse. So I'm saying people who are newer lawyers, there's a lot of women in LA right now who are um, a lot of Latina women who are starting their own practices that I've been meeting, you know, and they're just starting out and they're, you know, taking, you know, excuse me, kicking ass and taking no prisoners. I mean, they're doing (laughs) really, really well, but they might not have the means to pay a lot of money, but, you know, have some kind of buy in them for emotionally. and, And even if it's a very low amount of money, you know, to help or something, I just want people to buy in because I really, really need that help to like do what I want to do next year and make our, I, you know, I hate using military terms, but we are fighting a war here. We are fighting a war, you know, so much inhumanity in the world right now. Just drove down to work here and I was watching the homeless people, the sweeps, you know, mm. people, I just saw a bunch of cops and a bunch of people, you know, and I know that might be controversial because I know that. You know, there are certain officials who think we should be able to do that, but it's not easy to watch people being, you know, things thrown in the back of a truck and stuff like that. I mean, there's just, there's so much going on right now. And especially after COVID, there's just so much pain in the world right now with mental health, with, you know, so we got to really, this, we got to really stick together right now. I mean, you know, we got to get people in in office who are kind compassionate people who want to work hard period and the people who are membership there's many of those people there and i need them so we can get those people elected and also i need them to walk the halls and meet with people and i want them to feel some you know actual personal like agency you know i want people to feel agency that they have they can do something to help and so that's my goal, just to help people have a seat at the table, feel agency, people who normally never would not have felt that. And I'd actually forgotten about that until I was talking to my partner, Carmen, and I said this, and I said, you know, that's funny. That's kind of happened to me. You know, it didn't even occur to me that I wanted to do this and that it actually <laughs> happened to me. You know, I had almost forgotten about it. Mm. So... um Obviously, I want to be there for people on all the bills, you know, and, you know, be there as much as I can, you know, and try to talk to people. I I, am also not naive about how things work in Sacramento. I know that you can't be totally the idealist that I am. (laughs) You know, I am an idealist, you know, but um, I understand. I understand how it works. And I know that there's, you know, sometimes... You have to make compromises, you know? And so I'm not one of those people who are like, this or nothing. I understand compromise. Um, And so, but until it gets to the point where it just has like kind of a, 
ick feeling to me, you know, it's just a gut feeling. And I'm sure Greg, you felt that sometimes just something feels kind of icky and there's no just icky. And sometimes, you know, I just don't want to be a part of this or something, you know, the ick factor. Mm. So you just have to, you know, like Greg's done and people, you just got to rely on your own gut really. And of course the people who work at COC are (laughs) amazing. I mean, there's just, there's no word in the English language, really. I mean, literally no word in the English language about those people. And, you know, I'm here in great part because they believed in me and, and I believe in them. So we have a mutual connection with people who work there. And I feel very much aligned with their politics and what they're doing and as human beings. So that part's the easy part. But you alluded to this, Catherine, you will be president during an election year when all 80 of the uh, California assembly seats will be up for election. 20 of the 40 Senate seats will be up. And that's uh, that's a big deal for CAOC. Yeah. And uh, we do have to raise money for that. And, um, you know, and like, nobody likes to fundraise. You know, it's like I have a hard time asking my friends for money for dinner. You know, like, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'll just pay it. You know, I mean, I, I, I am, you know, but I, I believe, you know, you got to look at the outcome come of it. And like, you know, I just, I don't, I still think a lot of our members truly do not understand the gravity of, you know, not having the right person in their district in there. I think, of course, people kind of know that, but just, You know, that's why when we do these interviews with people, I mean, that's a joy to see these interviewing candidates. Yeah. When we interview candidates, I mean, I've just been so, um, you know, grateful to be able to meet some of these people. I mean, they're and they're young and they're so inspiring. And I'm just like blown away by these people, you know, and I think if a lot of our membership saw some of these people, I mean, you know, it would be amazing. So, yeah, so we have a lot of work to do. Of course, I trust um, the staff and, you know, all the the people who are giving advice. I trust them completely and just completely trust them, you know, but they still, of course, will run things by Greg or run things by me. I understand that, but I completely trust them. But of course, if I see something that I just don't feel like I'm like, I just might question it, you know, I'm sure just say, you know, why are we doing this or why are we doing that? You know, so I will sometimes ask questions. Obviously, I'm not going to be completely blind to it, but I you know, there's a lot of choices to be made. We need a lot of people, you know, because there are so many people running. We need a lot of people to, you know, help us in these races right now. So, yeah, Northern California, we always get the big elections. Um, so, but, you know. Because what you're referring to is that the presidency of CAOC literally alternates between a Southern yes. California member and a Northern California member. And the even numbered years are the Northern California years. Right. Um, and I will share with everyone, if you have not heard this, so I went to law school. I decided to be a lawyer when I was in fifth grade mm. and, uh, because I wanted to be a politician uh-huh. wow. and my undergraduate degrees in, in, um, political science, I was the vice president at university of Oregon. I was a class president through high school. Um, in junior high, I think it was president. I was beat by a boy. I was vice president. I ran for president and I was beat by a boy because everyone said a girl can't win. So this would be, let's see, 1975. Mm -hmm. I was beat by a boy. And then when I was, uh, I was in college, a boy was going to run against me, but my name was well known. I was afraid to run because I didn't think a woman could win president mm-hmm. at University of Oregon because there had not been one. So I struck a deal with him, which I to this day regret completely. And I said, if you make me vice president, I will put my I will because I was on this other high level um, board that gave out all the money at University of Oregon. So I had a lot of mm-hmm. name recognition. And I said, I will um, back you. Because I didn't think a woman could win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really regret that. But I did lose to that boy that one time. Um, 
I've never lost to a woman. <laughs> I've only lost to men. But, uh, you know, I mean, those things stick with you a little bit. But, I, I, you know, I love politics. I love politics. So this is my little way of not being a politician. I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to do that. But I can kind of get my little, you know, fingers in there and, like, work with it. I mean, I love talking about it. I like to be around it. I mean, I could talk to Leanne for hours, you know, because I mm-hmm. love, you know, I just t- talking politics. I love it. So, so I'm like, I am, I, I'm an, a good person, I think, to be there when there's a lot of different races because I actually really enjoy it. And like, that's what I wanted to do with my life. So, you know, I think I'm the right person for that right now. Yeah. There's a way for you to be very much involved with that. Right. Well, the CAOC presidency is a time-consuming job, and it's a volunteer job, and yet you folks still have a law firm behind you that's uh, doing business. So, Greg, how's that been for you, having these dual <laughs> responsibilities of presidency and law firm? Don't be honest, because you don't want to scare me. No, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it's um, it, it, it's tough at times. I mean, it's not all times that it's tough, um, but there are times that it's tough. Uh, it's it's nice to have people around you. Catherine, you talked about people walking the halls with you. Um, I have a great firm um, that I work in. I've got great um, attorneys and partners here who are just amazing at what they do. And uh, but I'm also a control freak. So it's mm. it's kind of hard to sort of step back and trust um, others to do what you you know, want to do. I, I had warned all of them for many years, Catherine, that, you know, hey, when the time comes and I'm president, that's that's going to take a lot of time. You're going to have to step up. Um, and, you know, so I kind of went from really more day to day operations at times to um, to kind of like an overseer. Like, well, did you think about maybe bringing in a biomechanic on this case? And maybe this is where we go versus where that would have happened probably earlier in the case. Um, but the one thing I did learn is, uh, and Catherine, this is, you know, if you have people you trust and I know you do at your firm, um, you know, you can step back and trust them. You really can. Like, I, I really loved how I learned so much about my own firm and how how what great lawyers they are to really just step back and let them do the case in their vision and kind of move it up. Um, it was a learning experience for me as a control freak. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a great experience. And it makes me kind of feel like, uh, you know, the, what we have here is pretty special. And uh, I know, Catherine, with your firm, you feel that same thing. So I would just encourage you as hard as it is at times, you just have to step back and recognize that, you know, they're capable. They're really good at what they do. And sometimes it's not your vision, but you can kind of still make it into your vision there as well. So uh, it's challenging. I'm not going to lie about that at allocation mm-hmm. when there's a, a, something going on that for CAOC that requires a lot of attention because those times do come. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's, you know, overwhelming. It's just it's it's a lot for, at certain periods of the year. Yeah. Well, I'm given the time commitment involved. Uh, what made you want to get involved in CAOC leadership in the first place, Greg? Uh, you know, honestly, um, I've got a very sort of similar but different story from Catherine. I knew I was going to be a lawyer at a young age, but it wasn't because I had any passion. My grandma just looked at me and said, you know, you make a lot of sense when you argue you should be a lawyer. Right. So from a young age, I'm thinking, all right, grandma says I should be a lawyer. Grandma, you know, you've got to always listen to grandma, man. Grandmas know what they're talking about. <laughs> That's 100%. why I'm an elder abuse lawyer because of my grandma. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how the influence they have in your life. Totally. Um, but when I came out, like I, I was not involved in any organizations. Uh, I started off as funny as this is as an advertising lawyer. I went from the DA's office to an insurance defense firm, and then I went into an advertising firm. And I actually started off like my practice doing yellow page stuff. Um, and I didn't send it all out. So no one knew me. I just would come in. It was a good case. I would try it. But I, I literally realized that it's kind of lonely um, to be a lawyer. Uh, it really is. And I'm, I'm not I'm the dude at the party that, you know, at the end of the night has the lampshade on his head and is dancing like crazy. Right? I, I love to interact with people. Um, you are that person or you are not. that. Person? I am that person, as you probably know. As you and I, 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 I dance floor last year, when you pulled me in. I, I, I thought I heard you say you were not that yeah. person, and I just wanted to clarify that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 you were going to object to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she should object to that. I'd be lying. I'd, I'd be perjuring myself. Um, and uh, so, someone invited me to come to Justice Day, 
Um, and I went up to Justice Day and um, it kind of opened my eyes to a whole different world, a world that I wanted to be a part of. And um, I, I would this, say this is when, when CAOC members go to the Capitol, meet with legislators, yeah. discuss our issues, discuss our bills. Right. So all of a sudden, out of the blue, I went from, you know, um, like this yellow page guy who was advertising to like, man, I've really missed out. Like, I have really, really missed out um, in 20 years of my career of what this is about. Um, and uh, so I joined I joined COC. I got highly involved in local organizations and it it. JG didn't just change my practice, it changed my life, frankly. Mm. Uh, being involved in meeting all of the amazing lawyers of the C of the CEOC, right? Uh, diverse lawyers, uh, trial lawyers, lawyers who really don't really want to try cases, but they just have such a passion and a vision of what it should be. Um, like appellate lawyers, right? Like I, I, you should not see me in appellate law. It's just not what I do. But there are so many great lawyers that in so many different areas that you don't interact with and you don't get to see. It's funny down in Riverside, um, I teach a new lawyer academy. Uh, I was on the founding board of that. And the, Robin Lewis, who is a CUC member, um, basically tells everyone, you know, but she's not very involved. She'll tell, you know, Greg knows everyone in the state. Like if he goes to San Francisco, he's going to run into a lawyer. You know, it's like I'll run into Catherine. And it really did. It changed my life. It made me uh, understand that we have a huge responsibility when we're lawyers to not just be great lawyers, but to change the world and change California. And um you know, Don Ernst putting his arm around me at that very first Justice Day and showing me around and uh, Greg Bentley stepping in and saying, you need to be more involved. I mean, it really it really it, it impacted me and it changed my life for the better. And I love this organization. And that's why I got into leadership. And Catherine, what about you? What inspired you to, to want to take part in this? Well, I want to first of all say that I've never filed a response to pleading in 38 years. I've never done any defense. Not once. <laughs> I'm a total. Like, I know it's rare. Um, so that's uh, actually my story is that Tom Brandy, who uh, is a very old friend of mine, and I don't know. Really know president. He was COC president, SF Tilly president. Like, lo love him, love his wife, Carol, you know. I've been out there, out there. They have a house up by us in Healdsburg. And um, I love those guys. In fact, when I turned, so I'm 63. When I turned 40, I had this huge party for my 40th birthday. It was like a big bat mitzvah. I had like <laughs> drag queens, disco. It's like 100 people there. It's huge at this <laughs> Slovenian hall. And I had like four lawyers there. And Tom Brandy was one of them. And he brought his wife, Carol, who's awesome. And they had their grandchild with them. And she was like, mommy, are those really, are those really um, girls? Cause there are these big buff guys, you know, wearing, <laughs> you know, like huge guys wearing like, you know, uh, my friend of mine, like they were like our servers or something. A friend of mine, like, told me I should hire them. And they were hysterical. So I've known Tom, or, let's say a long time. And there was just one day I saw him, he said, Oh, I put you on the CAOC board and the SFTLA board. I'm like, what? What's what? <laughs> and I had before that, I, I I moved back to Oregon where I'm from for five years, and I got really involved in OATLA up there, um, Oregon Trialers Association. And my boss, um, uh, Mike Williams, was the president when I was working with him. So I got to know the trial lawyers up, up in Oregon, and then I came back here, and he just like put me on these boards, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, no, you really need to, you need to get on these boards. I'm like, all right. So lo and behold, I worked my way up to president of one and then the other. So, I mean, this really is Tom Brandy. I mean, just oddly enough, you know, did that. And I, um, I worked my way up, um, because of what I was taught, what I was talking about. Um, you know, I, I just wanted my voice heard. You know, I always wanted my voice heard, not because I think I was right or anything, but I just wanted to bring maybe a different perspective, yeah. you know, to different things. Um, and I, I, like I say, because I know what it's like to be the other, you know, I mean, my wife and I were spit on when we were holding mm. signs for Pape. I've been called dy dyke, faggot, 
you know, I haven't been able to, you know, I, I was fired from a job. I had the job for two weeks once and a guy heard me talking and let me go when I was waiting for my bar results, you know, and just like over the years, just like, you know, hiding your identity and stuff like that really, you know, takes a toll on you. My sorority, like took me in front of the, took my sorority, took me in front of what's called the standards board for being gay. And I completely said, no, that's not me, you know? And, at that time, I was vice president of the university, <laughs> you know, and they grilled me and everything. I was like, you know, they it was it was terrible. Um, and, you know, you just can't, um, you know, I didn't come out to my parents till my 20s. Um, you know, just 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 stuff I've seen through the years, the AIDS crisis. I knew hundreds of people who died. I did wills for people for free through uh, AIDS like a referral panel. And, you know, literally like the night before they died, because I knew the guy who's dead, Clint Hockenberry was ahead of it. And so he would call me in for the hard ones. So I'd go to San Francisco General and I'd literally, you know, take the person's hands because the families wanted, they didn't want their, you know, it would be with someone for 20 years, but the families wouldn't want, you know, their partner of 20 years to have her, you know, a family who was totally against them, kicked them out of the house who they hated, you know, at the last minute and their dying breath wanted to sign something. So their family, you know what I mean? So just, you know, I think just, I've seen a lot of like mean meanness, you know, and, and, and a lot of things are unfair. I mean, and being a woman, you know, being at the table and not being heard to this day. You know, not at our meetings. It's not like that. Our our executive committee is like that. But you know, when I'm a bunch around a bunch of male lawyers, which I normally am, many times the only female. You know, it's the same thing. Like I'll say something, and then another guy will say it. And then, great idea, John. You know, and I just said it. I mean, that's rampant right now. Yeah. Still, still, you can raise your hand and want to talk at something. They're not going to call on you. So, you know, in ways things have really changed, but in a way they really haven't. And so, I think I've just been like horse with blinders almost like i'm just gonna like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this it's just like been like you know i've, I've got to do this and it's just some inner driving me to like to do this you know based on my past and my value system that i learned from my parents which are the same same value system that greg has both greg and i are big family people mm-hmm. i mean for Greg and I, that's something that we really share. And I know a lot of people do, but Greg and I is both family first. You know, my parents are still living. I'm really close to him. my brother is my best friend. He works with me. You know, I, my family, I would throw myself in front of a moving train for my family and Greg's the same way. And so I think that that kind of upbringing really, um, you know, makes you, it makes you fight for people, you know, it's like your heart and your soul. And I I've seen that in Greg. I've seen that in a lot of other presidents and, you know, like where you come from is everything, you know, Greg's Italian. I was just in Italy. Like I said, you know, I mean, family in Italy is everything, everything, you know, and I, I really admire that in a person to me, that's, to me, that's kind of my litmus test. Lots of times, with people is with their family person. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, before we wrap up, I want to talk about CAOC's upcoming convention. It's going to be an action-packed four days, November sixteenth through the nineteenth. Uh, Greg, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> oh, you not say it. I will tell you what I'm actually most looking forward to is the past presidents. Brunch. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, Catherine, there's been so many times this year, so many times this year, I thought to myself, I can't forget to say this to Catherine at the past president's brunch. Right. Um, and, you know, the amount of times I thought that we'd be there for like a week. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm just really excited to um, to kind of be there and to celebrate you. I mean, I, as I said earlier, I've just seen you grow into this role and I've seen it sort of change you in a way. Like you really have grown into, you've always been a leader, 
Um, but I remember times years ago where you're like, I'm not even sure I really want to be on this board anymore, right? I remember those. Oh, yeah. I have, I have had so many moments. Yeah. <laughs> so many moments. And to, to have you behind me on this board coming up, I've just yep. seen the growth in you and just seen mm-hmm. how, how, you know, your heart and just how much, you know, you care for people and how you want people to have a seat at the table, which, by the way, seems very Italian and almost godfatherish. And I loved it for that reason. Um, but at the hey. same time, hey, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm really excited to go to convention and um, watch you sort of with now the experience of having lived it, like watch you go through it. Cause it's, it's just, uh, it last year was kind of like a blur to me. And I will say to you what I say to a lot of people, make sure you, and I actually said it to, to, you know, the governor, when he was running for governor, make sure you take the time to appreciate what you're going through while you're going through it. Right. You only have one convention, right? You really, that's it. When, when it's done, it's done. And I want you to really like, stop and appreciate and take it in. And I'm really excited to go there and just celebrate you, frankly. Um, I think you have, you've earned that role. And you said earlier that you're lucky. I really don't think luck has anything to do with it. I mean, your whole story that you just told him, you've always been a leader, right? And um, you were forced to live in hiding for too long. Uh, And one of the things that I love is that you are our first LGBTQ president and that you have fought so hard and struggled coming up. Uh, One of the first memories I have of you was at uh, that convention and you had won an award and I was one of the people that was being rude. I was just talking because we were at the thing and you said, hey, Everyone listened to me and it was like, whoa, right? Um, and you immediately got my attention and I have just kind of followed you ever since. And I just think the world of you and I'm super excited to celebrate yeah. you in San Francisco. Thank you. And Catherine, how about you? What do you look forward to going to convention? Well, I'm going to say something different based on what uh, Greg just said. I'm looking forward to being in the moment, mm-hmm. actually. Because I tend to be one of those people that checks things off the box and like, okay, I did this, I did this, I did this, I made it through this. Okay, you know, I made it to this thing, da, da, da. And I am going to try to take in the conversations with people, the moment, and uh, take in the, I think, the historical nature of you know, being the first queer, I have to say queer because I'm dyslexic. I mean, seriously, Mm. (laughs) I am dyslexic. That's the other thing. Just like Newsom, I'm dyslexic. Um, But, you know, I'll be the first queer um, uh, president. And I just, you know, I just want to like sit with that. And um, like, it, it was kind of a rocky road getting here, honestly, because there was many times I fought with people change the bylaws. So women have to, I mean, I, there's Barbara Wallace and I were the only two women in the room with like 50 guys. And I stood up, I was shaking. And I said, you know, I want to change the bylaws, you know, to, you know, so every, uh, convent or any time we have something, a woman or a person of color has to be on the, you know, on, on the panel. And I wrote a letter and I copied every person on the board saying I wanted to do this. And I was shaking. I was so scared, you know, and I'm like, I can't be a part of this. I mean, it's literally Barbara Lawless and I were the only two women in the room. And like, I have come this close to like quitting so many times that everyone has got a memory of me um, doing something like that. I mean, I said, I remember the first time you did that. And it's always me sort of like bitching about something, you know, and uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to bitch, but I'm, I'm going to be calm. I'm going to um, be calm about it. But, you know, I, it's been, a, it, honestly, it's been a very rocky road for me to have gotten here. I've fought my own demons, fought my own everything. So it, I'm the, I'm the unlikely president in a way. You're going to be great. Thank you. Well, for more information about CAOC's upcoming convention, you can go to the um, website caoc-convention.com, or you can see the link on our homepage, caoc.org, and hope to see everybody there.
And I want to thank you both, CAOC's 2023 President Greg Rizzio and 2024 President Catherine Stebner. I'm looking forward to seeing you both in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm super excited to go. And just for the, anyone who watches this podcast, I want you to know that come to San Francisco. I mean, I'm going to celebrate Catherine, but you will see, based upon you know Catherine's letter, you will see amazing diversity in speakers. You will learn so much. You will have the best time. And and like I said, you know, being a member of COC has changed my life. And I love going to all of the events. I, I, I would have never met Catherine Stebner ever if I wasn't a CAOC. I know. Right? We never would have met. Never would have met. I think about that all the time. I think about some of the people I just love and adore you being one of those people. Like I would never have met these people and, you know, just through life, just in life's like own your own personal life, you know, just people have helped me through my own personal, you know, personal struggles, even, you know, you've had these like friends for life. It's like your family, you know, yeah. getting them going back to family, you know? And so I'm really hoping that people come and like, I mean, we want you to be family, <laughs> you know, we want you to come make, I mean, really, I mean, make, friends make connections you know because look we need each other we yeah. need each other we really do we need each other come get a seat at Catherine's table because that's where you need to be <laughs> but i do emphasize that with people uh, come and meet people because you don't know who you're going to meet who's going to impact your practice impact you your life and, and in you so many know. ways in so many ways jg does it happen right I, i'll be talking to someone at a convention about something oh yeah i just went through this and tell me the next thing i'm like man that'll work in my next trial right mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's amazing or you you know like you know catherine and i we become very close as you can all see i mean like i have no problem sharing like very personal things about my life with her because i trust her and i know i can trust her right? right. Um, that's what you get. It does become your family, right? I always say, you're not, you're not my, my wife, my child, my mother. I mean, my Italian mother would kill me if I put you on the same level as her. <laughs> um, my wife might want you to be on the same level as her because I drive her crazy by being around. In the gay community, we have a word for all that. We, we've always called it chosen family. It's yeah. a term that we always use because many people who are gay, queer, lesbian, you know, they were kicked up by their families long ago. So we had to, cho- you know, my family did not do that to me, thank God, but a lot of people did. And so we had to choose our family. So I look at, you know, that's a really important phrase to our community, my, my community. And I think that we have a chosen family as well. And, you know, your chosen family can save your butt. Really can. In every way. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, Thank you both. I'm J.G. Preston. Thank you for listening to Just Us for Justice, produced by Cutter Hicks. We'll see you next time. See you in in San Francisco, everybody. 